basketball, basketball season long by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth and Second String Sports. Check them out online, thoriumwealth.com, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, wealth.com for more information, full disclosures, and you can check out what Second String Sports has to offer, secondstringsports.com, second with a two. My thanks to them for their support of the show. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Coming to you live from the place where Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, January the 29th, the last Wednesday uh, of, of this here month. Um, it feels weird that the basketball season is as close to being done as it is. Um, maybe because it kind of feels like maybe Virginia is finally kind of figuring it out. Um, we are going to talk about said Virginia team, which beat Florida State last night, 61-56 in a game that um, was... I don't know, very par for the course for them in a variety of ways, except this time they actually made some plays in the last segment. Um, we will uh, – so, yeah, we're going to talk about that one and sort of, I don't know, um, what's to come um, after they finish up this bye week. I mean, we can call it a, a bye week. I mean, it's not technically that, but that's b- basically what it is. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Uh, up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How are you, my friend? It's good to be back, Brad. Always, I'm always happy to be like with us, you know, from one of us, um, who days on the board at who days on Twitter. Took me a while to get there. Yeah. You, yeah. On. You had to land that plane. And, um, uh, back in, back on the show up in, uh, Reston staff writer, Justin Ferber, also on the program. Welcome back. Blimey mate or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, I didn't pick up any phrases to bring back. Unfortunately. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I was in Liverpool for a couple of days, and I actually didn't pick up anything that anybody said. So, um, yeah, it was a lot harder to understand that version of English than I thought. So I, I didn't learn any of their phrases because it was basically gibberish. Uh, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Glad to be back. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional uh, would have answer. Um, yeah, Ferber made a joke about uh, he wasn't sure if he knew how to do um, – all of the things that you have to do when you uh, cover UVA, which I thought was funny. Um, I'm not going to use them. And words. now they're off for a week again. And now they're off, yeah. So you're you're, you're right back to it, and then boom. All right, let's um, let's start with last night. So Virginia started as a favorite, became an underdog, somehow managed to go into um, the um, the under four timeout in the second half um, against the number five team in the country. Um, with them actually, you know, not leading, right? So it was 50, uh, 54, 53. Um, and Virginia scored, what, two, four, six, eight of the final 10 points. Um, I mean, that's not something they've done, and it's certainly not to do it against the team, you know, in the, in the top five. Um, I, I don't want to rain on the parade, so I, I want to save a question about rain that will rain on the parade for a second. Um, but... I, want, I do want to start here. What were some positive takeaways from last night, Dave, as you watched this thing unfold? Some positive stuff to take from this game that you yeah, think I might mean, extrapolate out for him. I mean, I think number one would be beating a top five team. That, that's a positive. Um, the shooting was better. You know, it, they didn't shoot as many from the three-point line, which we've seen in the last few games, like a trend away from just taking up, taking a ridiculous number of threes for a team that can't shoot them well. And to me, the biggest thing was the team seems to have found their legs in that last four minutes. Um, I don't know if it's because, you know, early in the game, Kihei was getting some time off the ball. Even against the press, Marcel brought it up a couple times and he threw it to Key a couple times. And so Kihei didn't fight the thing the whole time, you know, fight the press alone the whole game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, for me, like the positive, not only this game, but even the Wake Forest game where, you know, they kind of had the boneheaded play at the end, which forced overtime. You know, the thing that Virginia wasn't doing in the in the games they were losing was finishing. Um, so it's just, you know, look, they're still making mistakes. We'll, we'll talk about that ad nauseum, <laughs> I'm sure. But look, I mean, I think the thing is, like, not letting the mistakes be bigger. Um, but, you know, making shots covers up a lot. And that's what the big thing they did last night. Yeah, I agree with that. I, th- I felt like um, at one point in the in the game, uh, I just genuinely was like, you know what, Virginia's entire offense should be Thomas Wilde tends to take shots, like, um, like just let him just just go make it rain, you know. Um, I thought for me, Kihei Clark has had obviously just man, he's it's got to be like the weirdest season, right? To go from being where he was to 
sort of carrying as much as he's carrying, looking at his numbers, his assists and, and turnovers both just exponentially increase his usage rate is off the charts. Um, I, I thought it was really telling that he continued to attack even when he wasn't having, you know, a good game. I mean, it was almost like Virginia had to have him attack because they weren't going to be able to do much else, and, and he made it work. And, you know, he hits that shot with, what, 50-some seconds to go, um, and that was a big, that was a big bucket. Um, and so I think my main takeaway was, was really just his play. I thought Leonard Hamilton was um, – I mean, Bunny's always – you know, engaging, but I thought his points about Clark and his his lack of of uh, of any back down, I thought were were really telling. Ferber, this was your first time watching UVA in a while. Uh, give us all the thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I did see the game on Sunday, um, but yeah, this is the first you know real big game, I guess. Um, I think what Dave said is true, and that's probably where I was going to go with it. Is just it's good to see them finish a game. Um, they, I mean. As much crap as as we've all given them, myself included, um, they've been in these games. I mean, it's not like they're getting just blown out. Um, NC State came down to the last possession of the game. The first Florida State game, they could have won. And and conversely, I mean, the Georgia Tech game and a Wake game are close. So it was good to see them finish against a team that was, you know, not and also ran and, and get a big win for their resume. I think that's the biggest takeaway. Um, whether you believe Florida State is an elite team or not, I mean they're they're probably going to end up being one of the top seeded teams in the NCAA tournament if they keep playing the way they're playing. So from that point standpoint, it was good to see. Honestly, the biggest takeaway for me was they dominated on the glass, and I think it's thirty six twenty three total rebounds, and then um, and also just like the the three guys that I feel like they're counting on the most, uh, Clark, Key, and Diakite, really the three guys that were on last year's team. I think they all were in double figures where they combined for 47 of the 61. So, I mean, if you can get those sorts of scoring numbers out of those three guys, you have a chance. Um, in a lot of these games, it's been like one guy in double figures and everybody else trailing or two guys close to 10 points and everybody else trailing. But uh, more of a complete effort, even though, you know, there's still the same problem still, you know, persisted as, as Dave kind of hit on, like, I didn't think it was like they they clicked and everything worked. It was just they were able to close the game. Yeah, I thought that defensively they were solid, but not you know um, perfect. If that makes any sense, I thought the decision. <laughs> like they're still in a situation late, right? Where uh, they're they're up three. Um, <laughs> the the other team is not in the double bonus, so it's a question of whether you foul or not. I still think you foul. Um, I would foul every time, um, especially on a night when what Virginia shot from the free throw line. Um, they were uh, 20 of 23, including at least the last four because I can't see the other side of my page. But I, I thought defensively they they were good enough that last, but there were a couple of open looks, and those are, I mean, they, it, it wasn't the right dude shooting them. Um but still, they count. Um, so, I mean, they didn't necessarily play it as well as they did down in Winston-Salem. But, um, I mean, I think that there's a certain level of um, of growing up a team has to do in general. I think that those situations late have, have been their Achilles heel for a reason, right? And last night was the first time when you, when you saw them sort of having confidence in each other. Um, and that's not, you know, Dave and I kind of talked about this last week, like, that's not something that we're accustomed to seeing from Virginia. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a thing. Well, let me rephrase. Not a thing we're used to seeing from Virginia this late. You know, it's not almost February, and they're still trying to put it together. Um, Dave, let's go back to you. The the negatives, right? So, I mean, listen, they had yeah. <laughs> they had um, 17 turnovers. They had 10 more turnovers than Florida State did. And somehow or another, they, they had a 10-9 lead in uh, points off turnovers, which – I mean, listen, if you want to wonder if, – if anybody down in Tallahassee wants to wonder why they, their team lost this game to Virginia, that's why. Because you didn't do anything with the number of turnovers that they gave you. Um, that's the long and short of it. It, it, it. The rest of it's, in, it's somewhat immaterial. But in terms and it of, felt like a lot of those turnovers were live ball turnovers, which are usually the ones that you take advantage of, right? I mean, because then you can run the break. But weird. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think – What do you think, Dave? I mean – 
I mean, the turnover is definitely the big negative. I mean, honestly, it's probably the only negative I'd point out from last night because, you know, the other stuff just part of basketball. Um, and, you know, but it, it's the way the turnovers happen. You know, we saw it, especially in the games that Jay's lost. Um, there's a lot of times it's, you know, Kihei getting into the paint and getting, you know, either a turnover trying to find someone after he's committed or, you know, getting a shot kind of slapped away which automatically creates kind of a mismatch you know he's going to be under the basket and other teams will be heading the other way um you know most a lot of the turnovers last night were were guys getting to the paint whether you know Kihei and, and Braxton had one a couple and I think Waldo had one um Marcel so like you know they were they were turning it over being aggressive um which you can't fault them for um you know I'd rather them do that than you know get you know, some of the stuff we saw earlier with balls getting picked off, you know, throwing it around the outside, which we did. I think there was one or two of those last night. But um, so, I mean, I, I do think they're being more sound with the ball. Just the way you have to – the way Virginia has played Florida State in the two times, you know, basically going four out and even five out at times and just kind of dribble driving on them because um, they switched one to five. Like that's going to create more, more dribbling than we're – we typically see from a Virginia, you know, Tony Bennett offense. Um, so it's not, it's not surprising. They turned it over a lot. You know, was it 19 the first time they played? That was a 19 turnover game, right? Um, so not great in either game. I mean, but to me, like the key was the shots you did get making them and playing good defense. Um, so, you know, it's, there's still, you know, the rotation I think is starting I mean, I think the rotation we've had the last couple of games is starting to pay dividends too. Like, Mac, you know, Coleman's getting a little bit of time. He was not good last night, but you know, still a couple minutes. Kihei didn't have to be on the floor. Um, Kafaro getting some playing time, I think, is helping Jay and, and Mamadi um, get a little time off the court as well. And so there's, you know, there's a lot going on with the team that I think could pay dividends, but the turnover issue in, as a whole. Is going to be a bugaboo for the season. I mean, I think at this point, you know, you're ten, you're halfway through the ACC season, you're more than halfway through the right, you know, the overall season. They're not going to not, you know, all of a sudden be a team that doesn't turn the ball over. Right. Um, yeah. So it's it's going to be like it's going to be what you saw last night. Like, how are you able to limit the the damage from those turnovers? Right. Um, and are you able to capitalize, get good shots when you don't turn it over? Because you know, we saw so many games where they turn it over and then take terrible shots. I thought last night they, they got a lot of good rhythm shots um, compared to what we had seen before. So Yeah. I mean, and they shoot 43.9 from the field, 41.7 from deep. Um, you know, Wolda Tensei hit a couple early from, from beyond. And then uh, Diakite was, I mean, he's 3 of 3. Um, yeah. I think he was 4 of 4. That one was so close. I watched it on the replay. His toe must have been like breathing on the line. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I thought that too. Like, they did a nice job of not. I mean, there was a whole lot of standing around at times, but that's kind of the the the, the premise of some of that. You know, four or five out stuff. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a lot of like just clear space so dudes can get to the rim. Um, I wonder if going forward, the the rotation. I mean, listen, Chase Coleman last night, uh, I mean, Tony got on him because he had a couple turnovers there. He plays four minutes and change. But, I mean, if when Statman's back, where do where does he get those, you know, where do those minutes come from, right? Because I kind of look at this and I think maybe this should be their rotation. Um, clearly, you know, they need, to, they need to keep Kihei off the ball some so they can have him on the ball late. Um, but that was my thought process last night watching this game. I was like, man, maybe this is the group they should roll with um, primarily for the rest of the season unless there's some foul trouble or something like that. Anyway, Ferber, what were, um, what were some of your <laughs> your negatives, or so, so to speak, coming out of this one? Yeah, I mean, this game particularly, it was just turnovers. Everything else was fine. Um, Three-point shooting percentage was up, but the number of, of shots was down, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing. If you're struggling to make them, maybe you should not take as many. Um but yeah, I mean, they also, I don't know if that's like a sign of things to come or not, because if I remember correctly, they didn't take very many in the first meeting with Florida State either, because they ran that kind of spread the court and drive the lane offense in that game as well. So 
I don't know if if that's a sign of things to come or a strategy change or if that's more of just like an aberration with this one opponent. But because they took thirty on Sunday, so um, and that kind of takes me to the negative is as awesome as it is for them to go get this win that they desperately needed, they're still the same team. I mean, they played a little better this game, but they very nearly lost to Wake Forest on Sunday. Very, very close. It went to overtime. And it's easy to forget that after you beat a top-five team. But, I mean, they played a Wake Forest team with two of their starters not playing and needed overtime to beat them. Uh, They trailed by, I think, 12 at one point. Uh, So... I don't necessarily look at this Florida State game and say, aha, you know, like they've turned a corner. Because they really could have won the first game. Yeah, Like, true. I mean, it, it was a four-point game that came down to the end. I think they led by three with like two and a half minutes to go in that first game in Tallahassee. So I don't necessarily think that this win is a sign of like, you know, some sort of big change being made. It's just maybe it gives them some confidence late in games when they're close because I think there's just going to be a lot more of them. Close yeah. games, I mean. Yeah. I thought, too, like, uh, Bunny, I mean, uh, Hamilton came in and he immediately was like, listen, we're not the same sort of rim protecting team we used to be. I was on radio Tuesday afternoon and yeah. and they were, ta- you know, asking me essentially, you know, what's going to be different about this one. And I was like, I can't imagine Virginia's going to get to the rim as easily in this game as they did in Tallahassee. And they absolutely did. Um, a lot of that, I think. Yeah, it's, they're a little different this year than normal. It, yeah. It's kind of like how people think that UVA is like a good shooting team because they usually are. Yeah, and then it's right. like, oh, well, yeah, 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 been yeah. watching this year. Well, and the thing is, is that they have a lot of, Florida State has a lot of size. It's just not the same, right? Like, yeah. it's just not. They don't the, have any small guys on the court. Right. Any one time. And, and yet at the same time, like, their bigs are not the same type of bigs that they've had, you know? And their and their offensive games are, are just not necessarily uh, as meshed. Um, I thought, too, like, uh, if you think about the way Florida State defends, right? Tony mentioned this in his presser, the idea that, like, that they make passing really hard, right? So what you really needed to do is have a guy who can create off the bounce. And that's what Clark did in that last segment. You know, he created off the bounce. The um, That alley-oop to, to Huff, the, um, the drive that he scored on, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that they have not had. And it's funny how even in a game where they had 17 turnovers, right, um, take away how many points were scored off of them, but in a game where they had 17 turnovers, that's a lot of possessions that just came up empty. You know, and Virginia still, you know, which is not, you know, that's this is a team that's not scored well all season. Um, the difference was that they, you know, they shot better. They were just better from the floor than they have been. I mean, look, nobody's going to like, you know, give you a parade for 43.9% from the field and 41.7 from deep. But given some of the numbers we've seen, that that's 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 nice. You know what I mean? And you and you held Florida State yeah. to to under 40 and and to 35 from from 3. I think that's a if there's anything that you think that might be able to help them going forward, it's that against a team that does play a bunch of long dudes, they were able to shoot it pretty well, and you know for their own, yeah. you know for their by by their standard. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the one thing um, I don't know if we've talked about it with this team or not, but this team reminds me a little bit of some older like non Tony Virginia teams, and that they seem to like the 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 importance, the magnitude of the game seems to impact their effort um you know at least initially in the games um you know so so if you look you know they showed up both times they played florida state but boston college they didn't show up for um that's what's been so it's been so good about virginia teams the last few years it didn't matter who they were playing when they were going to cut you know going to stomp them and and get it done um so this team seems to show up in the big games and kind of not have that same crispness when they play a team that you know like Boston College or, or Georgia Tech or even Wake Forest, right? Um, so, and I mean that's just a sign of an immature team, and so hopefully, you know, hopefully some of the positive results that have happened in the last couple, like, you know, it's team building, like like Tony has kind of talked about that. You know, this isn't last year's team; this is a new group of guys. So your hope, you know, as a fan of Virginia, at least my my hope is that success at the end of the game starts breeding confidence in this group of guys. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what Mamadi and Kihei and Braxton did last year. Like they didn't do it with this this group of guys. So it takes a while. And then when you when you look at the way some of the guys have struggled, um, you know, Marcel and you know Waldo seems to be coming on. And um, like there's some there's some positives. Um, 
but give me hope that maybe the second half of the season can be better than what we saw in the first. Um, but there's also some some concerning things. Like, I mean, I'm not quite sure what's going on with Jay Huff and his shot attempts the last couple of games. What has he got? Three in the last two games total. Like, that's a little weird because he's playing decent minutes. Um, and look, you know, Tom, um, well, Tensei has been shooting the ball well, so he makes makes sense to for him to get some shots. And Kihei's always going to get shots because he's can get to the rim. Um, so, and that's a little weird to me. And I don't know, like, I haven't seen anything that suggests he's like hurt or anything. And you know, he's not taking bad shots, but I feel like he's passing up some open shots, especially out on the wing, um, as good of a shooter he is. So, that's something like, I think he needs to be a little more assertive getting his shot off. Cause I do think, you know, if he's going to be on the floor, his defense is much improved, you know, cause I gave him grief about that. All I'm sure you guys did too, but um, his defense has been a point of contention for a number of years and why he didn't get as much playing time that's gotten better. And, but now we're not seeing him shoot as much. So I'd like to see him start taking some shots. Uh, so I don't know. Like, th- this team is just, there's going to be a night. And I think I said it last week, there's going to be a night where, well, the Tensei shoots well, and you know we don't turn the ball over, and Jay has a good night, Mamadi has a good night, and they absolutely dust someone they shouldn't. Um, I just don't know. I'm hoping it's Duke, um, <laughs> but, but but there's going to be games coming up, like you know, you know, coming up on the road um, against some teams they should beat, and even at home against. Well, I think they got BC at home, right? Um, so there's going to yeah, be some of those going games back up I'm there, worried about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if they played them again or not. But um, yeah, they they yeah, do come to Charlottesville. Yeah, but I mean, they finished the first half. You know, as much as we've talked about this team, you'd think they were like you know two and you know two and eight, but they're six and four. They're three and two at home and three and two on the road in the ACC. Home record is not ideal, but that road record, like a lot of teams, would take that. So um, it's just they've got a the ACC is there, but it's one of those years where like you know. 10 and 10 in the ACC is not getting you in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> so they're probably going to have to go six and four or better on the back half too. Um, and it's doable, but you know, as long as they turn it over, like they do, they're, they're going to have to shoot better. Um, and I mean, I, I think you're right about the rotation though. Like, I mean, I think I'm a little curious about what happens when Statman comes back too, because I kind of like the way the rotation is now. Uh, I feel like it, it's, you know, when when you change the rotation a little bit and you start doing better at the end of the games, I think maybe you should keep that going. But yeah. I don't have a real national championship. <laughs> you just cheered for one, right? Yeah, um, just. It, all right, a couple things. One um, on Huff, I I think that we have to be mindful that he, there there are there are games where he is defensively much better. He was very good, um, and I can't remember the. the the dude's name who does the um, basketball videos on Twitter, Jordan Sperber, I think. But showing kind of what you know, he's got a no hit. relation. <laughs> nice. Um, that, hey, careful what you say right here about Jay Huff, though. Why? You don't want to. You don't want to upset anyone. No, I know. No, no. I'm just saying. Um, he did. He played it really, really well. <laughs> but then, like, there were some there were some possessions in Winston Salem, dude, where he was lost like a goose in a snowstorm. And I don't think that that's news to him. Like, I think. There are games where he is like really engaged and it and he you can see it, right? To 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 your point about his shot selection or lack thereof, I mean, I just genuinely think dude is like um focused on, you know, playing his role. And right now a lot of his role is is not, you know, getting out and taking shots. I think as if they're gonna continue to do a lot more of the four out stuff, his versatility really helps him out. The problem, of course, is that if he takes a three and misses you know, it's it's going to be tough. Um, you know, what to get an offensive rebound, and this team needs every, needs all all the extra opportunities they can get. Not that Tony's going to start crashing the glass or anything like that. I just felt like last night I thought Jay played the most um, even game, and that's probably what this team needs from him is just consistency. Um, more than anything else, I thought. You know, to your point about um, you know, Wold Tinsai has been shooting it very well. Um, I, I think that. They still need to continue to take them, but I'm. I, I think that the idea, like the d- the dynamic, changes when you have one dude who, like, a defense actually has to like care about, right? Account for, um, and you could see that at times last night. I mean, he had 
um, he had a couple of times where, I mean, there were three dudes taking a step towards him. Um, and that's not something that's been happening for UVA lately. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I would say that they've turned a corner. Um, I, I'm one of these people like, you know, it's, it, it's almost like when they have, you know, they talk about gaps, right? So you've got to score, get a stop, score, and get a stop, right? And that, and that's the definition of a gap, right? When you go two possessions where you score and they don't. Um, I would like to see them put a couple of these together before I think that they've really turned a corner. But there is a na- – that you can't deny it. Like there is a – you can see dudes kind of fitting in better with each other. And again – like we're talking about a team that is nowhere um, near in terms of its full potential. We haven't seen them put together a, a good half, you know, like a, you know what I'm saying? Like a, a just blow them out of the water half yet. So, I mean, we certainly haven't seen them do that in a game. I just, I, I don't know, like seemingly wise, I don't know how, how high they can go, but I know that they can play a lot more consistent and it's not going to take much, man. And this year, like it's not going to take a whole lot to get, you know, I really believe that if they made like three more threes a game, they could be undefeated in the league. Like, because they haven't played a team yet that's that just blown them out in in the conference play. You know, nobody has just like stepped on the court and just you know dared them to try. I mean, they basically they they should have won like all of these games, and I think that's part of the frustrating thing that and we've talked about that a lot in the past. So they get a week off. Um, I mean, what? What do you even do? I mean, you, you kind of probably you're, you're you're hoping Braxton gets some rest for the wrist and, and he continues to get better. But otherwise, what, what do you think they should focus on um, in this uh, quote unquote bye week, Dave? Well, let me let me unmute so you can hear what I was thinking. Um, I guess Dave's yeah. answer is sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take a break. I mean, getting healthy. Um, you know, they got to get on the books because, you know. We don't want our student athlete. I'm just messing. Um, I mean, I don't know what, what you can do other than just like, you can't sim. you know, it, it's a week of practice in the middle of the season. For me, it's, it's getting the legs rested and, you know, working on the free throws and just getting everyone healthy. Like, I, I don't think you need to, like, I don't think you need to put in a whole lot of stuff that you wouldn't normally do. Like, I, mean, I don't know. It's what, what they need to work on is, just getting healthy. Like, cause I mean that Braxton took a pretty nasty fall in that second half. Um, and it, so, I mean, I'll be, I'll be glad to know he's good to go. Um, when Tony talks next, but, uh, Oh, he was fine. Tra- no, he was fine. Yeah, I mean, Post- he looked fine, but, but if you think about like the night he broke his hand, it was kind of the same way. Like he yeah, played. No, no, the rest I, of that I game. guess what I mean by slide is like, he was yeah. in, he was in post game and there was nothing on his wrist. Like, yeah, yeah. He had like, he just had tape on last night. It looked like, so, um, I don't know, like like ice down Kihei's legs for a couple, for a week. <laughs> Put uh, him in a cryo yeah, chamber. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, look, he, I, to me, like, I mean, I know you can simulate a lot in practice, but to me, like, the the turnover stuff it isn't that they don't understand what they need to be doing. They're just they're just getting too like Kihei gets a little too fast sometimes. Um, you know, like the second half, I thought he did a much better job of using tempo instead of just all out speed. So, yeah, um, get healthy and get ready to go. <laughs> seven and three on the back end. So I have something so I can mess up my bracket because Virginia's in it. <laughs> what about you, Ferber? Yeah, I think honestly, one of the things that I would assume that teams do, cause you don't have an opponent to prepare for is you do like your self scouting sort right. of stuff. And then right. also just practice specific scenarios like end of game situations or late shot clock situations, because I feel like a lot of those areas are where the offensive struggles have been sort of magnified. Yeah, I would agree. Right, where it's like, you know, nobody's like the alpha, so nobody knows who, like, what the play should be to get the ball to the right guy. Like, this year, they've probably already had more shot clock violations on offense than, like, last year the entire yeah. season. Like, that sort of stuff, I think, is what you probably need to work on and just, like, late game, close game situations and just get them more reps in those in those sort of situations and maybe draw up some plays to run late in games and at the end of halves end the shot clock, stuff like that. Yeah. I think for me, um, I think for me, my, my big, my big concern, um, for them has, has continued to be all, all season long, um, has been that I, I, I still don't see a lot of like role defining happening. Right. So like night in, night out, you're just never really sure what you're going to get. Right. Um, and we're not making a box of chocolates jokes here. Like, um, 
the Florida State game was the first time that it looked like there was a real kind of cohesion happening. And again, I you you got to go out in a week and and do it again before I'm you know, I'm going to say that they've you know come close to turning a corner or anything like that. I just think that most of the time bye weeks are good because you get rest and certainly you know Kihei and Braxton. But like on the same time, I'm like, man, it wouldn't be bad for them to play another game. You know what I mean? Like like. It, it almost it sent it, it just feels like they're starting to kind of now that you know Braxton's back and the the wrist thing and everything, it just kind of does feel like you know now they've got you know Thomas is shooting pretty well and um, it I just I wonder if maybe the best thing to do is to just have them continue to play and not necessarily rest them as much. I know that that is completely counterintuitive, and having talked to Mike Curtis enough for different features throughout the years. You know, these times are especially critical and they plan them out specifically. So guys, you know, they're managing load and everything like that. But it 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 I think it would behoove them to to kind of try to keep that energy or that cohesion going, because I think that's the difference for this team. Like to me, the turnovers are not just like dudes making a bunch of mistakes. Realistically, it's like guy A feels like guy B will be here and he's just not or the ball should be there for this guy and it's not. You know what I mean? Like a lot of this stuff is like, it just feels really correctable. And the fact that it continues to happen is, you know, that's what's fueling that frustration. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure they'll like scrimmage or something on the weekend, oh yeah, Saturday for sure. or Sunday. Um, but yeah, I mean, the one thing I think we, you know, the, some of the optimism I have about, if I have any optimism about turnovers improving, honestly, it, it's settling on a rotation. So you, you know, if you think about how uh, well the Tensei was struggling early in the year, Morcel continues to struggle, and you know Kihei was turning it over, and Braxton was not right, um, and then Mamadi and Jay with you know foul trouble and stuff. They got like rarely did you have a rarely did you get a lot of court time with the same guys, so um, you didn't have that feel like you know Ty and Kyle had because they played together so much. So, and you saw it a lot of times, especially when when you're making passes to a guy coming off the screen somewhere else, like you'd see him just not really understanding how that guy was going to, you know, how fast he was moving or where he's supposed to be. Um, so hopefully, you know, I mean, I think the ro- roles are being carved out. Um, so they'll be on the floor together some more and that should help. Um, the one thing I saw last night, like, and I can't remember if they did it against wake, but I'm a big fan of Walter Tensai coming down early and, you know, two or three times a game and taking a three, um, you know, especially when you're turning it over 17 times, like you know, maybe one of those every now and then isn't bad. And he did it three, two, at least two times I can remember. And I think it was the third last night, um, which, you know, get a shot up. I think he made one of the three. Uh, so like, that's an interesting little wrinkle, I think. Um, because, you know, a lot of times with the way this offense is playing, they're not getting a better shot at the end of the shot clock. So if you can get a semi open shot, um, off that kind of, you know, they were they were kind of screening against the press last night and getting shots early. There was a couple times they had open shots early in the shot clock and didn't take them. So this Virginia team may have to take that because it might be the best shot they get. Yeah, I remember back in the days you, we would talk about like sometimes Joe Harris would pay, would like go to shoot and he would pass right, and we'd be like, no, no, for this team, a Joe Harris shot is the best shot that this team's going to get. I feel like the the first shot that this team gets is the shot right, like more often than not. Um, um, Ferber, I want to ask you sort of a different question. Um, you, except for the when you were gone and I had to do the power rankings, which for the record I think I did a stellar job with. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, they were all the teams were there. All the teams were there, and the records weren't wrong. At least as of yet, nobody's told me, so that's good. We're going to pretend like even if it did happen, that it didn't. Um, you're, the, but you're the dude that I always lean on when it comes to the rest of the league. We haven't talked at all. I mean, we've we've referenced the ACC as a whole. We've talked a little bit about, obviously, in some matchups, you know, he, this team did this or that team did that. Try to make some sense for me of how you see the league and what what realistic chance Virginia has, not just of making the tournament, because I feel like um, that's a thing we're going to have to start talking about a lot more, um, especially if they, they you know, come back next week and win. Um, because I think a lot of us, at some point decided like, man, this does not look like a team that's going to do it, especially in the ACC this year. I'm not saying that last night changed my opinion of that completely, but it is, it's a conversation we're going to have to have. And we haven't had to have a bubble conversation in so long. Like Greg Burton asked me the other day on the radio and I was like, I dude, I don't know how the net works. I've never had to pay attention to it. You know, like I've, 
I've never dove into it like you know wholeheartedly because the team I cover is always like going to be a one or a two seed. Um, as you look around the ACC, Ferber, what's your general sense of the league as of yet, as of today, and what what kind of work does Virginia need to do in your opinion, whether it's a double buy or we're getting to the to the big dance at all? Yeah, I would say he said yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys might have some sort of response to this. I don't know. Um, you look at the top of the league and you see three teams in the top ten, but. I think this is the worst the league has ever been at, that I can remember combined top to bottom. Like, I don't – even the teams that are first, second, third, I don't think that they would beat the teams from last year. Like, not that they're bad, but I don't think this Duke team is as good as last year's Duke team. And I don't think, you know, Louisville or Florida State are nearly as good as UVA was last year. Uh I mean, Florida State is probably a little worse this year than they were last year, and they were pretty good, but not perfect. Um, North Carolina is is way down. I mean, they're a 500 team. Uh, NC State is okay. Virginia Tech has been a pleasant surprise, even though they're they're five and five. They're not exactly like you know running to the top four or anything like that. UVA and Syracuse right now are tied for fourth, um, and then after that, it's just like a. a Basically, from UVA to Georgia Tech, everybody between Ew. six and four and four and six is Ew. just throw them all in a pod and and they can all shift. Like <laughs> I know that I forget what game it was, but one of the games Dave was saying like, "Hey, UVA is only a game out of the double bye," um, and yeah. I was like, "Yeah, but they're also like half a game out of the Tuesday games in Greensboro." Um, so like it's it's really. One week, you know, one bad week can really change things. Like you look at NC State, they beat UVA last week, and then I think they lost this weekend to somebody, and then they just lost to North Carolina. So they're five and five. Like that's a team that could go up, could go down, right? The only thing I know for sure is like Wake is really bad. Um, Notre Dame is not very good. Miami's not very good. Uh, North Carolina is probably going to be near the bottom just because of the situation they're in. Though, if they get healthy near oh, the end, they're getting of the better. They're getting better. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I don't know if there's enough there to really get them like to 500. Um, they're three and six right now, so um, it's it's a down year for the league, which is kind of disappointing for UVA in a sense in two ways. Because one, if there was ever a year for them to just dust everybody in the league, it would have been this year. Um, I mean, <laughs> can you imagine? You took the- last year's team and put them in this, or ACC, even the one the year before, would have gone like 19 and one or 18 and two. Um, and that, I give them those losses just as so. opposed to last year when they went like 18. Well, yeah, what I'm saying is those losses I'm giving them just as like margin of error, you know, like really, yeah. I mean, that's what they would be like in Ken Palm projected. They really could go like 19 and one or dare I say 20 and 0. Um, 20 and 0 is harder than any league anytime, but I really think it's disappointing also because it doesn't give UVA as many chances to win games that matter. Um, they need to avoid losing games that or bad, and there's going to be plenty of those. I mean, you look at the what's left. I believe they play um, Miami at the end of the season. They have North Carolina again, Pitt, uh, Boston College, Clemson, like all those games, Virginia Tech again. Those are A lot of those games are going to be in, are against teams that aren't going to be in the tournament, and some of those losses might be outside of quad one, you know, especially the ones that are at home. So that's why winning at home is so important because – Quad one or like a quad one road like losses go in the different quads depending on like where it is. So if they lose on the road, it's not considered as as damaging. But the winner of Florida State certainly helps with their bubble chances. Um, as far as top four in the ACC, they're in the. I think they'll be in the discussion probably till the end just because of where everybody else is. Right? I mean, they're only a game up on like NC State, Clemson, Virginia Tech. But you know, if they can. If they can get through these next two games, Clemson at home and then at Louisville, they have a pretty good stretch of games that they should be able to win at least half of them. Um, <laughs> I think the four seed, really, I think there's, I mean, if you just want like a big picture look, I think there's three, three really yeah. solid teams and then there's a drop. Yeah. So I think that, I think that's why I think the fourth seed is definitely up for grabs. Um, Syracuse was six and three and then they lost this week. So I don't really believe in that team. I don't really, I mean, they could end up above 500 just because of the, general mediocrity of the league but i think uva is in a decent position for that but 
what really matters more, I think, is just getting quality wins if you finish fifth or fourth or sixth or whatever. Uh, as far as the NCAA tournament, I guess we'll get into it as the season goes on. But right now, I would put their odds to make the tournament at like 40%. I think that's fair. I, yeah. Go ahead, Dave. They're on the outside looking in at this point for me just because they have one good win. But if you go the rest of the season without another one, I don't think you're getting in. Unless you like yeah. on the table. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I do think it's, I mean, it's probably the worst. It's definitely the worst ACC has been since expansion. You know, since the final I mean, expansion. It really seems like the sport is down. Yeah, that's what I say. Like, I've there's watched- no Zion. Like, there's no you know premier team or anything. I don't think. I mean, yeah. who's number one right now? Baylor. Uh, yeah, Baylor. I think. Can you yeah, tell I mean, me two like- dudes who play on that team? Yeah, that's uh, weird in itself. Like, no, but I can know, tell you they had a big scandal like three or four years ago. When I came back from England, I looked at the top 25 and was like, what? Because like yeah. Rutgers is in there in Illinois. And I was like, what is – and Dayton's like number seven? You were like, like what, what, reality, what reality did you yeah. return to? Yeah. 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 I mean, the one thing I will say, though, it takes me a long time to get into college basketball mode, especially when a football team plays a lot longer than they normally do. Yeah. So I hadn't watched a lot of other teams. Like I watched some big games, but the last couple of weeks I've watched some other teams. And like, I mean, honestly, the ACC's down when I'm used to. But you're right. Like everyone's down. Like I mean, it, I don't know if they're like Baylor's. I've only seen them play a little. Gonzaga I've seen a couple of times. I think they're pretty good. Um, you know, Michigan State's inconsistent. Like, I don't know that anyone is great, and I don't know that there's another conference that's significantly better than the ACC. I think what we're seeing Maybe is, the Big 12. Yeah, maybe, but I'm not even sure about that because I think the bottom of the Big 12 is worse than the you know, the very bottom of the ACC. Uh, I think when you've got a league that's got so many teams that are kind of even, it kind of makes it look bad. So hopefully like by the end of the year, a few teams will emerge so the ACC can get Couple, you know, right now they're probably a four bed league, um, which would be mind boggling. But I think by the end of the year, the ACC probably gets six or seven in, just based on what I've seen from these other leagues, because there, there's just not a lot of great teams. Um, but I could also see an ACC team make, making a run in the tournament because I believe in the talent that we see here year in and year out. Uh, yeah, and we were talking about it earlier. It's like. What you said, like this will be the year, like a seven, eight, nine seed wins it all, and I'm like, I yeah. don't think so because I don't think those teams are good enough to win six games in a row against. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know that a number one or two team is good enough right. to win six. So or I seven think, I think it's yeah. definitely possible that you'll see like a crazy bracket this year, like deep into the tournament. But I, I usually tend to go with the teams like to win it all that that are like the capable of of winning six in a row. And this year, I think that group is probably pretty small. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, people were talking about Florida State as a national championship contender. We watched that team play twice in the last two weeks. Did that okay. team look like a national championship well, caliber you know what? Okay, here's the difference. That's probably what they said about points? us last year, though, right? <laughs> I will well, say, UVA was dusting people last that's year. That's true. Like, yeah. yeah. I would Florida, say State, this. Florida State is in a similar situation that UVA is in. Every game they, they've played lately has been close. That's where I, I mean, was they going. They barely beat Miami. They barely beat Notre Dame. Listen, the two I, UVA games were close. I, I'm not the first to make this comment. All right, and I don't claim it to be mine. Um, the ACC basketball season—it's the coastal division, dude. Like it is the—it is absolutely like as if you think about it. At no point, it doesn't matter who's playing anybody in this league. I—I I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like I think I know, and I—and obviously with those top three, I feel pretty good about saying like this team's going to beat that team. But like, it's not a surprise when anybody beats anybody. Like some of these years, you were like, "Holy crap!" Like Wake Forest beat who? Yeah, Clemson beat Duke, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's like that's, B- BC is BC is currently up three on Louisville, like halfway through the first. That's half, a, a, a so. perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like a perfect example of it is um, Dave the other day in our group text thread was like, uh, "Clemson beat Syracuse," and I was like, "Okay, is that is that was that supposed to happen? <laughs> like, does that mean that's good for UVA or bad?" Like, I legitimately had to look it up to figure out what he was talking about. Because yeah. at first I was like, yeah, that just seems like an arbitrary <laughs> result. Like, yeah. imagine doing that during football season. Like, yeah, Duke beat Georgia Tech. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, what, yeah. what does that even mean? It's crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the most exciting thing in the league right now is, like, Mike Bray and Coach K going crazy. Um, but other than that, it's been just, you know, a roll of the dice outside of probably those three teams. 
Hashtag and I think the Greensboro tournament, I think I, I think that it could end up being a chalky sort of championship because I think those three teams are the best teams. But there's going to be some, like, really weird team on, like, the Friday night semifinals, like Clemson or Virginia <laughs> Tech or Boston College. Yeah, Furber and I are going to enjoy that. Although, I, I don't know if he's going, so I probably shouldn't say it out loud like that. Um, I have two random things I want to talk about at the end. Um, one is, is, like, we were just talking about how the ACC is down. Dude, has ACC officiating ever been this bad? Like, I remember it being pretty rough at times, um, and maybe ever. But, dude, these cats are missing stuff that is just mind-boggling. Like, how many times does a ball go off the wrong person, you know, go off to some dude's foot and they give it to the other team? And you're just like, what are you doing? Like, what are you actually doing? And I don't have a reason for this. I don't know why all of a sudden it feels like the officiating just took a nosedive, but it feels like the officiating took a nosedive. And I made a joke about like <laughs> hashtag Mike Bray was right awareness week, but it kind of needs to be Mike Bray was right awareness week because it's rough out there on these streets. You know what I mean? The last two games like were very jarring. It was it wasn't necessarily like oh bad calls left and right, and there were certainly a lot of those, but. It was more to me, it was like the way it was called. Yeah. It was like all of a sudden the game would just come to a halt. Like yeah. every two seconds there'd be a whistle and you're just like, what is going on? Like that game last night, UVA games are usually over at an hour and 45 minutes. That game was like still going on two hours and 10 minutes after it tipped off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just it was weird. I mean, I think officiating is down. I blame some of, it on, some of it on TV. Like every game is on TV now. So you try to like, you know, so if you're going to see more bad officiating than you did years ago, where only two or three games a week were televised. Well, also um, now with like Twitter and stuff, there's all these like viral clips of like, look how terrible this yeah. call is, like yeah, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean the ACC, um, yeah, I mean it. I didn't like honestly, I didn't even recognize a couple of the guys from last night. No, I Usually, mean those are do, but see, that's the th- I think that's the other thing too is that like there's been a uh, a changing of the guard, so to speak, right? So like, yeah, you know. Um, Brian, what's his name, doesn't do it anymore. UVA doesn't get airs because uh, Brian, yeah, and they don't get airs because of his daughter going to UVA. I think, um, but I mean, I'm like, I'm watching that game last night. Like, I'm like, bring back Carl Hess, man. Like, at least you knew. <laughs> at least with him, you knew what you were going to get, right? Yeah. Whatever you were getting in the beginning, you were going to get all night long. That was what. That's yeah. what it was going to be. I do feel like when I complained about refs in the past, like 10, 15 years ago, you know, our teams were not great, so you always had something to complain about. But you knew a certain ref was going to be bad. You know, he was going to call ticky tech stuff the entire game, or you knew he wasn't going to call anything. But it's the inconsistency that drives me crazy. Like, you know, someone goes in, like, what was it Jay Huff on even on that alley oop? Like, Jay Huff got mugged, and then Kihei like barely gets touched and gets the foul call. Like, I, I hate. And a couple times last night, you, um, and Justin that guy Hugo, getting ejected—that was a crazy call. I can't believe they called that. I think it's because I'm, I'm just so kidding. Upset. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, were you at the us. game, Justin, or were you watching on TV last night? Yeah, I was watching on TV. Okay, well, there was there was at least uh, there was one foul call in the second half where, like, the dude standing right next to right next to the player didn't call it. It was the other guy. Like, that's my biggest thing. Like, I yeah, hate I when mean, the guy you noticed that a lot it. actually in person. Like, you're yeah. just like, how did the trail guy get that call? <laughs> yeah, you know, how do you see that man? I am a. So, yeah. I've made this plea before, and I will make it until I'm no longer on the podcast. Listen, there's no reason that we can't have a dude who sits at the table, okay, who watches the monitor and goes, "No, man, that wasn't travel. Run it, keep going." You know, like, and you just treat it as an inadvertent whistle, and you keep playing. Like, I don't know what it is about officials and their whole like, oh, you know, integrity. No, no, dude. Listen, you guys suck so bad that drastic measures have to be taken. Like, we have technology now that allows us to know how long a player has been running on a court and how many miles and what his load is and what his heart rate was like or whatever there's really no reason why we can't have somebody who there is there with a with a monitor who just watches the game just like us right there's no reason that that we don't give that dude a headset with a little earbud inside of the three officials and say hey bill you missed that one that's not a foul and they and then they pick up the flag there's there's no reason yeah i mean like it's just it's just it's not there's no reason basketball specifically it's supposed to be like a free-flowing game right it's not supposed to be like football is stop and start stop and start basketball is not basketball is supposed to be like soccer where it's like the game just continues moving and the referees are just there to facilitate it right like what happens is every two seconds there's a stoppage 
and then there's a review. Well, and that's and the thing too. We like, don't need a review. The like, coaches we don't need. need to call the refs over to ask a question, and it's like it just becomes this like, arb- it's almost like an arbitration process yeah, or something for real. See, that's the thing is like we don't we don't even need review. What we need is a dude who's just watching the game like all of us, and he just tells them what's happening. Like that's it. I, 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 there's no negative to this. Like this is one of those like who says no? Everybody apparently because like the idea of like the integrity of the sport or whatever is just ridiculous. Like you're all out there looking like a bunch of, you know, what's with a football. Like it's, you got to let it go, man. It's like, it's a clown show. Like every game I watch, it's a, it's a clown show. And there's really no reason for that. Now your points about social media and, and games being on TV are fair. The problem is, is that there's still that many bad calls. And I'm talking about games I go to in person. I'm not even talking about things where I can see a replay. I'm talking about the thing I see live, right? And I understand, too, like, part of it could be that the freedom of movement has made it so that um, there are more calls to make now. And that's understandable. But, like, we used to just complain about, you know, block charge. And now it's, like, literally everything, you know? I mean, heck, Mike Bray got fined because his team got screwed, right? Because, like, what was it? They, they, they got a defensive rebound and the shot clock got set to 20? Like, what? And I understand, like... The, the ACC is not necessarily responsible for each place and, and clock and everything that the school and, you know, maintains that and staffs that. And, you know, those people quote unquote are working for the ACC, but they're actually just people from, you know, it's not like, you know, the ACC brings in people to do the clock. You know, those people are the people who, you know, do it all the time at that specific venue. But it's just, I don't know, man, the whole thing to me is just whack. Um, all right. The last thing I want to talk about is um, Kobe Bryant. I, I don't want to get into like the whole, um, you know, sharing of memories and everything. I mean, there's plenty of media coverage out there for you. If, if that's what you wanted to do, I do want to share just a, a, for a second, what it was like to watch a bunch of basketball players find out about his death, because it's one of those, like, I'll never forget moments of my life. Um, and I just thought that there's really no, I mean, I wasn't going to write about it. Um, I mentioned it on Twitter, but um, I, I just, I, I thought this was the, probably the place. So, the TikTok of it all is we've done post game with Tony. Danny Manning is going. We're waiting out in the hallway for UVA players, and that's when word begins to spread that that Kobe has died in this helicopter crash. And um, I don't know what it says for me as a as a former newspaper guy. When my first reaction when I heard it is, did, was that from TMZ? Because if TMZ had it, I know it was real. Um, and then to watch these dudes come out of the locker room and then like look down at their phones. And just not necessarily, I mean, I didn't see anybody like fall to pieces, you know, but the, the look of just complete shock. I mean, these kids, half of them wear Kobe shoes. I was looking at it last night. Like, uh, you know, the, he is, he is their hero for a lot of these guys. Um, and to watch them, you know, look down and see that Mamadi was the most telling because he was the last one and he's probably the most expressive dude on the team. And he, he comes out of the locker room, he reaches in his pocket, he pulls out his phone real quick before he has to do media, and, he, and his, I mean, his eyes get you know, big as saucers, and he sees it, and it took him a minute to like compose himself. You know, he, he says something in the, I mean, I cut this from the part of the video, but he, he puts, he's putting his jacket on, and he's trying to get situated, and he's like, it's hard to even talk about the game right now. Um, and it took him a minute to kind of like focus himself so he could like actually answer some questions. Um, I just, it's, it's funny. I don't think I've ever seen something that universal hit. You know what I mean? Like, um, even the night that, that, that they took out Bin Laden, I don't think the response was that uni- 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 unified against across every – it didn't matter who you were. You, you were talking about Kobe that day. Um, and to watch these kids react to it, um, it, was, it was heartbreaking. Uh, and that was before we found out all of the other stuff. And anyway, like I said, I just, I wanted to share it just because it was one of those times where you realize not just like, not just like, you know, life is precious. I mean, obviously so, but, um, it was a different perspective, right? Like I was, I'm a LeBron guy. You know, Kobe was not my favorite player. I respected him. I, I think he, he was not necessarily somebody I wanted my team to play. Um, but he wasn't my dude. And yet I have felt like, 
you know, some like emotions about this. And maybe that's because it was him and his daughter and I've got a daughter and there's a whole lot of um, correlation there. Um, but I, I don't know. I Watching these kids find out about th- his death um, was, was just one of those things I'll never forget. Um, just one of those, like, know exactly where I was, know exactly, you know, what the surroundings look like, all of that stuff. And um, fortunately, what, other than 9-11 and the national championship game and, stuff, you know, stuff like that, the birth of my kid, like, I, you know, I, I don't have a lot of those negative moments like that, and that's one. But I just, I don't know. I felt like this was the place to share it, and so uh, so I did. I don't know if either of you guys want to chime in on anything or we can wrap it up because um, um, basically uh, I'm all out of words for now. <laughs> no. All I right. thought it was cool. I mean, I thought it was cool, like, how – um, the thing that I've probably taken away from it the most is just how many positive stories you've heard about him, like in his retirement, particularly like it is, it is like, uh, you know, obviously he'll be remembered as a basketball player, but, um, for any person that, that passes away prematurely, it, it is good to see that they had an impact on people, maybe outside of just what they did on the court. So I thought that was I thought that was one of the positives. Obviously, it's not a positive story, but one of the good things was just reading all of the the stuff he did off the court to to help people and you know push people and you know like encourage people and all that sort of stuff. So it kind of tells you like legacy is important, and and that was kind of interesting to read all those things. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I mean, I didn't have the same emotional reaction a lot of the young kids did because you know Jordan, yeah, Kobe was there, Jordan, right? I was I mean, just stunned, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, I mean, like, like I enjoyed watching Kobe play, and um, like, like Brad said, the thing that hit me most was like thoughts about him with his daughter, um, and putting myself in his shoes in that moment. Like, that, that to me, like, hit me yeah. more because yeah. of where I am in my life. But um, I mean, I, I started thinking about how I would have been, like, how emotional I was when I found out Michael Jordan was retiring from basketball, not not dying, like retiring from basketball, because you know when you're young, things hit you differently. Um, so yeah, I mean terribly sad story and um you know it's it's been it it kind of to me like um the thing it i've kind of taken away from it is i do think it's kind of sad like you know because of the way the way you're famous when you're a basketball player is you're kind of known for your basketball stuff and let's be honest like kobe was kind of a jerk on the court like he was a jerk to teammates and that was kind of you know he kind of rebuilt you know changed his image as he went out but the, all the stuff you did off the court, like unless you went looking for it, it wasn't right in your face. So and he apparently right. did um, a good. And he that's and what he, I mean. He like he wasn't, tried like, to hide wasn't it a too. lot of like PR stuff. It was yeah, just like and oh, he, he did this thing and nobody ever knew about it. Yeah, and like, specifically, he would request that there be no PR. Like he would go yeah, to hospitals exactly. and stuff. And and I think actually there's probably a lot more athletes out there who do that kind of thing because the last thing they want to do is have whatever they're doing tainted because you know what I mean. Well, like, it's just work too. It's like I don't want to have to answer questions about this. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> They don't want to talk to you, Brad. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That that media. Nobody. Nobody needs them. Respect my decision. No media. No, no interviews. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. Want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. If you are so inclined, look us up on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. Uh, ratings and reviews always help to get us out more in front of more people. We very much appreciate that. If you are somebody who has not given us a look yet, check us out. CavsCorner.com. Let's see. Right now, I've got multiple videos. I've got. I got video from um, last night with Mamadi and Braxton and Kihei kind of talking about the game specifically. And then I have a second one with them talking about Mamadi talking about confidence at the line and Braxton and, or excuse me, Kihei uncovering like Braxton ripped his own jersey, which I thought was hysterical. Um, as we go forward, we will have um, power rankings. And um, I've got, I caught up with uh, Ahmad Faustin, the three star running back um, commit for 2021. Even though signing days next week is just not a whole lot really out there in terms of you know recruiting stuff but um he he's a really interesting kid and certainly um uh he's excited he's excited let's just put it to you like that he's really excited about uh having made his decision um and then yeah we'll come back next week and we'll get you ready for um what will be i guess the stretch run um anyway uh let me make, let's see remember hit the fanatics links if you have any needs for any gear uh if you are a mon family and you need some UVA stuff for his birthday in a few weeks. Uh, 
feel free to hit that link. Anything that you buy there goes to support the site. We very much appreciate that. Again, I want to say thank you to Thorium Wealth and Second String Sports for their support of the show. ThoriumWealth.com, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, Second String Sports, second with a two. Um, and, yeah, thanks to uh, Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time, as always. I very much appreciate everything that they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.